The Working Artist Project is brought to you by Second Line Arts Collective. Learn how you can support at secondlinearts.org. We're creating a platform for those who are curious. One that tells the story from the artist's perspective. Moments in time, captured from the innovators who are reshaping dance, music, theater, and the visual arts. This is The Working Artist Project. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Today is March 7th, 2022, and we are here for another episode of The Working Artist Project. Darian Douglas, how are you this evening? Gregory Ajit, as you can see, I am chilling in my backyard. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's real cozy out here, man. How you now, f- is, that, is that your real backyard or is that the uh, virtual background backyard? Hey, man, listen, I live in a metaverse. I don't know where you live. So real is just, you know, it's, 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 it, is, it is what you make. How about that? <laughs> I'm not going to argue that here and now today. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> let me just let me just say I'm also glad to be where I am. <laughs> I'm also kind of glad it's not the metaverse. Um <laughs> But yeah, man, tonight we have a, a, a wonderful guest. But uh, before we get to it, let's let's just do our, our pitch for the camp. And Darian, what's happening this summer? Well, y'all, this summer we got a two-week intensive uh, called the Sanaa Music Workshop. And we're going to be out here with kids from June 6th to June 17th, teaching them the ins and outs of the music business and how to master their crafts as musicians. It's going to be quite, quite fun. We're going to have Marquise Hill out there. And a bunch of other folks, right? Yes, indeed. We have Marquise Hill, and uh, we have a couple other fantastic guest artists in the works happening. And so it's going to be a fantastic educational opportunity. It's going to be some real pre-professional training. And again, you're going to be able to hang with all the cats. All all I know is I'm excited to hang with the the teachers and the uh, the lecturers this year. So I hope, I know it's going to be well worth the student's time. Yeah, man, it's um, you know, this is year six, man. So we've been hustling out here, and people people don't really notice, man. But we've been out here hustling for six whole years, man. And it's you know, we're proud this year because it's the first year that we've been fully funded for months. And and usually, in the past, we were like scrambling to the day before to make sure we had enough money to to make this thing happen. So uh, came a long way from that first three thousand dollars that we scrounged up. I, I think three thousand is an exaggeration. I think we 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 got like a thousand, like maybe eleven $1, hundred dollars. Right. But yeah, it's, it's it's progress. We're moving in the right direction. And again, you know, we've been very fortunate to man. It's been a, a complete learning process to to uh, dive into not how to run a nonprofit, how to fundraise, how to get a board together, how to get sponsors. And man, I've learned I've learned a tremendous amount. And maybe one day we could turn that into a class in and of itself. Hey, <laughs> how about that? How about it? All right, let's get right into it, man. So we we got we got the one and only Josh Guzzi tonight, right, Greg? Yes, sir. So Josh is a man. He's a homie from way back in the day. Uh, he's here from he's from New Orleans, Louisiana. He's one of those rare New Orleanians, and uh, he uh, recently graduated from a uh, wonderful audio production program, I believe, out in San Francisco called Paramind. And uh, he is also the leader and, and entrepreneur. He, he founded uh, Magnolia Productions, I guess, uh, about five or six years ago. And he's also a fantastic, fantastic bass player, one of the top call cats in New Orleans. 
and a band leader where he leads a, a band called the Catahoulas that plays New Orleans R&B. So, uh, man, if y'all would please welcome the wonderful Josh Guzzi. Hey, y'all. How's it going? Gosh, <laughs> <laughs> you with an introduction, man. I love it. <laughs> Thanks, man. How's everybody doing? Oh, man, I'm good, bro. I'm good. It's so Josh. good to see y'all's faces, man. It's been way too long. I saw you. I feel like I saw you in the street, Greg, a few weeks ago, or maybe a month ago, randomly. I don't Josh, know. Frenchman I think that was six months ago. I was just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're probably right, man. This whole thing has been such a time warp. It really has. Wow. It's crazy. Okay. Yeah, maybe six months ago. It feels like a week ago. That's what I'm trying to get y'all to come to the metaverse, man. But y'all, y'all ain't cool, man. Come, <laughs> come be virtual with me, man. <laughs> you can make the world whatever you want it out here where I'm at, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it looks pretty cozy over there. Man. You got the fireflies <laughs> and everything, man. <laughs> nice cool breeze, I'm sure. That's right. <laughs> you know, what happens when the power goes out? That's all I'm trying to figure oh, out. Oh, man. See, <laughs> listen, man, now you're asking questions, some, some questions that are in the knowledge that we have, man. Don't worry about it. Man, how about <laughs> <laughs> so well man josh um man you know actually i want to dig right into this and you know something that you know i've been watching you via the instagram and the facebook and i've been kind of uh keeping up with your journey uh through this oh, uh, cool. audio production program and i think this would be a kind of a cool place to start but man would you mind telling us about this this program that you went through and um maybe how yeah just w- what did you do yeah so Okay, so what Pyramine is, it's a, it's an audio production institute. It's in San Francisco. And, um, well, you remember Jason Butler uh, played with Pat Casey's band on Frenchman Street uh, uh-huh. maybe six uh-huh. years ago or something like that. He he was my connection to Pyramine because I remember he plays keyboard. Phenomenal. Uh, you know, from New Orleans, he does the whole thing, travel around. And uh, he decided he wanted to be a film composer and a game audio composer. And so he went to Pyramine, and he's been living there since. And they loved him so much that they invited him to stay and be a teacher. Uh, So he teaches there. And when COVID hit, you know, I mean, I definitely would not consider myself a, I'm not a gamer. I love playing games for sure, but I'm not, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. I enjoy playing games. When the game is good, sure. But um, anyway, I, when COVID hit, you know, all of us, all the musicians, the whole world shut down and everything. And, you know, everybody was going through things in their own way. And, uh, and I was, I was one of most, pretty much everybody going through depression and everything. And, uh, one night I was playing on this couch with my son, we were playing, uh, paper Mario and we were, he was walking around and I was listening to the music and, you know, this, Walk, walking around Mushroom Kingdom and all this stuff, and you heard that that music, you know, the music that you would expect to hear from a Mario game, right? And as he walked to different sections, you know, he walked to like this little cafe area where you can buy power-ups and stuff, and I listened as the instrumentation changed from this big triumphant, you know, fanfare-type thing. It The instrument cha- instrumentation changed to a small, like, cafe setting with, like, an upright bass and, you know, and I, man, I was like, man, that's really cool. I wonder how that happened. Like, how how did they do that? And then he walked over to the docks and it changed to this like kind of three, four kind of swashbuckling version of the same melody. But it happened, you know, I had him walk to the dock and away and to it and from and it. And the, the music dynamically would change, you know, as it does in game audio. 
And I just hit me like a freight train. It was like, man, like I have, I can pursue this now. I have some time because, you know, my whole life, uh, I've never done anything other than play gigs to make a living at any point. And, uh, you know, I mean, especially in New Orleans, you can do that. I would play, you know, some, <laughs> I like to say at least seven nights a week I would play. Man, and, just uh, dude, everyone listening, Josh is like the most in-demand bass player. And I think seven nights a week is an understatement. If <laughs> Josh is putting pulling doubles almost every day. I worked hard for sure. Um, and I'm very grateful for that time. I learned a lot and made, you know, my best friends. I got the, you know, it's it great. You get to make music with your best buds like every night. I mean, it, it's great. Um, so, yeah. So, it, but I had always been sort of interested in game audio. I just love the idea of interactive music, you know, uh, just the idea that depending on all these parameters, like the health of your, the health status of your character, or if there's enemies nearby and if they see you or how many or whatever parameters you set, you can compose music harmonically, melodically, rhythmically that can change based on what's happening in real time. And it's all what you said it, it it makes it feel more like a puzzle you know you have to use both sides of brain because you have the the creative side you know where you come up with all these segments and then you know the logical side we're like okay how do i make this actually fit and morph and not sound super janky you know um so anyway like i was saying I, we were playing there hit me like a freight train i was like all right I want to see, let me call up Jason. Jason did this thing at Paramount. So I called him. I was like, hey, man, where you at? What's What you doing? And uh, he told me all about it. And one thing led to another. And um, and I went. And I was there for about nine months. And uh, I learned all about audio production, Ableton, Logic, Pro Tools. I became a certified Pro Tools expert. Uh, learned all about how sample libraries work. Um, Foley, sound effects, you know, creature sound design. All the, you know, really fun stuff for sure. Uh, you know, dialogue work. So I have the tools and the skills uh, to be able to, to you know, pursue this new career path. And, uh, and I really do feel that all these years of playing, you know, jazz, to be honest, has really helped set me up for this to be able to, especially for interactive music. Because, I mean, what is jazz if not interactive, hmm. you know? Uh, it's just instead of in real time, it's it's pre-planned to feel in real time. You know, it's all pre-planned improvisation, which is a totally different approach. You know, to what I know you guys know uh, as jazz, which is you know you you constantly listen to what's going on, but instead of listening with game audio, instead of listening to other musicians, you're listening to game parameters that are constantly fluctuating and you write music that will change so that it feels smooth. So, um, that makes sense. Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, great, great explanation. It's yeah. really fun, man. It's so much fun. <laughs> Let me tell you, man, I had, I, and you know, when I first went over there, I, I had this kind of hard headed mindset of like, I'm only going to do music. I'm a musician. I have no sound effects for me. No Foley, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, uh, one of the teachers, uh, Steve Heithecker, who was one of the audio engineers on the original Halo and on Bioshock and um, Watch Dogs 2, like all these AAA games, like he's, he's the man. He kind of 
introduced me to what sound design can really be. And I just totally fell in love with it. And it it comes really easy. You, you, you look at something on the screen and you, you conceptualize what you think that creature or whatever or weapon or whatever would, would sound like. And, you know, which, I, which is something that I would do beforehand. But now I have the tools and the knowledge to be able to make those sounds. Back from so, when you were a kid and you're like going, two, 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 two. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I can do that now. And, <laughs> you know, speaking of that, Hudson, my son, he's, uh, he just turned six last week, uh, which just blows my mind. Damn, I can't six. believe he's already six. I know. I can't believe that he already turns. My, man, my daughter's a year and uh, three or four months, four months, like already. Um, anyway, he's my, my voice actor. So I'll have a project where I'm working on one right now for uh, for a game where I need this, this giant robot mammoth that attacks the main character. And I, and I called him. I was like, hey, buddy, come here. And he got on this mic and he, I was like, man, what do you think that this that this guy would sound like? And he get in the mic and say, okay, go. And he, you know, he's doing all these things and he's you know, like, he's acting it out. And so I have these plugins, the one's called a dehumanizer, for instance, where I can process his voice and it sounds like what you would think a robot mammoth would sound like. So he's, he's definitely, and he loves it, man. He's having so much fun doing it. Hey, so man, uh, it's, it's kind of like those royalties, man. Yeah, I know. I, I told my sister about it. She's like, you paying him yet? <laughs> I'm still paying him. <laughs> yeah. Man, like. Coming out, coming out of it, like you know, the live performing uh, career for so long. Like you were saying, you're working seven nights a week. Do Do you think that musicians with who can go beyond playing, like yourself, are kind of hindered by the playing? Because because it's like no, sometimes there's no space to to explore those other things because you're working so much. Like you were saying, you're working seven nights a week. Or yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do think that there's a good and a bad side to working every night, to working as much. I mean, in, in New Orleans, y'all know, in New Orleans, kind of the standard gig is about four hours, you know, where other places like in San Francisco, I played some gigs with some people, uh, some friends of mine, and their standard uh, gig time is two hours, which is kind of nice. But, um, you know, I mean, if you get a double, that's eight hours of playing live music a day. You know, uh, so yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. When, when I would finish my gig and I would come home, I wouldn't have anything on the radio. I would be driving home in silence because I just, my ears were tired. My soul was weird, <laughs> you know, I mean, not in a negative sense. It's just, you know, energy is neither created or, or destroyed. It's only transferred. And so I would be transferring all my energy. I'd be ex just giving out everything that I can, all you know, for however many hours or however many gigs. And by the time I'm driving home, I've just I got nothing left to give. And you know, and a lot of times that would bleed over into the next day when I, I wake up and I'm exhausted, and you know, I'm body's hurting because it's an upright bass, and that's what upright basses do to people and make you hurt. <laughs> <laughs> uh and yeah i mean like i this this kind of stuff audio post-production is stuff that i had always really i mean it's 
honestly, I've been interested in it for like TV shows, movies, games. I've always been curious, but I'd never had the energy or the time to pursue that. There's no way I could not, especially now that I have a family. It's just that that is not, I would have had to give up gigs to be able to do it. And, you know, during COVID, I, I, it gave, you know, because all the gigs were gone, I had some time to actually try and pursue this new thing, which came situations. I'm sorry. I I just said, sorry. It's a, it was a blessing in disguise type situation. Well, in a, yeah, yeah. In a sense, I mean, you know, um, yeah, in a sense there was, there was good that came from it because but for me having time, I'm not saying, you know what I'm saying? For me, like having time to sit and, and re- rethink, okay, like this is where I'm at. Like this sit back out and, and instead of being in the grind, you know, um, which was a good grind, but it's a grind. But um, to be able to back out and look at things and say, okay, this is where I'm headed. This is where I want to go. Okay, what steps can I actually take right now? I can change things right now. How do I do that? And, and I did it. Um, and you know, it, it being able to change or not, I'm still playing gigs. I'm definitely still playing gigs. I'm not, I'm not, I don't mean to sound like I'm not playing anymore. I'm still very much playing, but instead of like seven nights a week, I'm doing like seven a month. And, um, you know, my son, he's just started kindergarten. So he gets off at about five o'clock every day and I want to see my kids. So this Kind of, it was like right when he started kindergarten, so it kind of worked out to where I'm working more towards uh, during the daytime, and then he comes home and I see him, and you know, because it, I, I can't, I can't not see my family. I got to see my kids. You know, I, I got to. Um, so you know, yeah, that's that's kind of how that went. <laughs> I totally. I when you said time i mean that was definitely one of the things that i first noticed entering the pandemic was like dude i had never had so much free time in my life yeah it was it was i mean i loved it like i absolutely loved it and i was in i'm still in no rush to get back to it even though i'm pretty sure we've been back to no, somewhat normal for the last five know, or six boy. months <laughs> um but man i was i was wondering as a, as a new orleans musician um leaving new orleans and going to a scene like san francisco and entering like a, a school that is i mean I, I would assume that a lot of the your fellow students are from all over the place yeah and um man w- were there any like differences in i don't know just any any things that stood out to you in in, in terms of like like yo we're not in new orleans anymore <laughs> yeah pretty much everything the weather <laughs> <laughs> It was the best weather of my life, man. Every it was like every day it was like about sixty degrees. There were like barely any clouds out. I was in this part of San Francisco at the top of the hill, um, I, and I would ride my bike down the hill every day to school. It was oh my god, the weather. I miss that weather every day. <laughs> uh, you know, it's a different place. I mean, San Francisco is beautiful it's incredible i mean the nature around it is beautiful the hit the fact that there's hills i mean at all like that you know the you know the only hill in new orleans is monkey hill you know i mean it's i think is that's that even a, really a hill i mean that's that's debatable. it's a man-made hill so no <laughs> so you know um 
I did. It took some getting, but I also think that this might have been also because of COVID. Uh, people were very cautious, but I did miss walking down the sidewalk, seeing someone coming your way, making eye contact, saying, "Hey, how you doing?" or whatever. I miss that. Like just like just recognize my existence. You know, uh, I didn't really have that at all in San Francisco. But again, I'm not saying that I'm not dogging on the people. I don't. I don't know if that's how it usually is. I know COVID. Everybody was, you know, people were kind of actively like walk or get into the street to walk around you i mean you know, you i think it was more than that to say that about san francisco just for the record uh, i've heard that <laughs> i've heard that before oh okay all right okay i've definitely well, been out in other places like oh hey how y'all doing what's up and, right and they i mean like, yeah they look from um but man what's what's like you know traveling to a place uh like san francisco and doing like this audio production uh work coming back to new orleans like is that like a thing? Like how, how are you, like, what do you plan to do with now all of your expertise? Are you looking to like work in new Orleans and like maybe like work on people's CDs and mix master, or are you still trying to like actively pursue um, sound design, video game music, and, and maybe further expand your connections that you made out in San Francisco? So I'm casting a wide net in a sense that, you know, I'm, I'm mixing someone's album right now. Um, you know, because I mean, I enjoy working with sound, I enjoy music and, you know, I'm having fun working on this, on this record. Uh, that's not something, that's not my end goal. Uh, my end goal is to work, uh, in sound design. Um, I really, I feel that, uh, you know, I, I love writing music. I, you know, it, it's so much fun writing the picture. That's something I've never done before this. Uh, and I would absolutely do it if I had an opportunity. Um, but I will say that sound design is just, I don't know. I just kind of have a knack. I feel like I have a knack for it. It's just, I, I just have this, I can really quickly identify what something needs and I can use synthesis or morphin samples or whatever sample, li- you know, blending sample libraries or whatever to get the sound that's in my, my mind out. Um, I can work fast and, uh, and I, I enjoy it for sure because again it comes really quickly but um no you know i'm i mean i am absolutely open to you know trying another town living in another place i know that a lot of the game developers are over in san francisco or austin and la um you know in other places as well but those are austin is becoming bigger with game developer studios and uh you know my wife and i were both cool with trying something new if the opportunity uh, presented itself. Uh, but I feel like, it, it, you know, in the long run, New Orleans is our home. Um, it's where my family, it's where our families are. This is, you know, New Orleanians are our people. Um, it's home. So I, I feel like in the long run, we'll end up back over here. Um, so New Orleans is totally home. Man. Yeah. As, as you're saying all this, I, I know, Darian, we spoke about this earlier, but man, maybe I would love to maybe hear some of Josh's work and maybe just play a couple of seconds of what he's been working on. And I think we have a clip queued up of called Sky High Kingdom. Yeah, yeah. So that's something that I wrote. So uh, during my time at Pyramid, my again, I, I was saying my family stayed here in Louisiana. And so once a month, I would see them for a weekend. To make sure you know because I, I don't want my kids to forget about it, it was that was a painful that was a big sacrifice um but 
one time that we met up, we met up in St. Louis and we went to the St. Louis City Museum. And I'm not sure if uh, y'all have been to the St. Louis City Museum, but it's it's the epitome of discovery and excitement for a child. It's there is I have never seen a place like the City Museum. It's unbelievable. Like kids and adults, like you you walk in to this open area and there's like random tubes and pipes that go wherever on this multi-level building and like you just go you just like oh i'll go and crawl up into that hole and see what happens and you go in and then you come out and you're in this giant tree house all of a sudden and you're looking over a bunch of people on another level it's it's beautiful but we went and i was trying to keep up with my son because uh, he was like he was losing his mind he was having so much fun and i was crawling through these tubes and they're like wait wait <laughs> and the whole time i had this melody in my head and uh so this is the sky high kingdom is what i it's the sound of what i imagined was going on playing in his mind as he was running around this new place Josh, we can't give them too much of that. We don't, we don't want them to put that on a video. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, right. <laughs> well, and that song is made to be loopable, so it's because it's four games. You know, I have the, I had a game in mind, um, so it's it loops around like a minute, ten seconds, which is kind of like a sweet spot. That bass drum and that that bass drum out of nowhere with the crash symbol got me, man. Oh yeah, <laughs> good. <laughs> was when your kid fell out the treehouse, huh? <laughs> and that little bit yeah yeah i like that i was hudson going uh, uh, you know <laughs> trying to figure out what <laughs> somebody going <laughs> yeah man it's, it's, interesting. it's interesting because i i know you i've known you since for a long time at this point yeah i, I, you, I think your first world. gig in town was with me right with, with fred sanders you me and fred oh, sanders yeah yeah that was a long time ago a long time ago yeah. <laughs> i'm sorry oh. i didn't mean to cut you off no, 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 no. I forgot about it. I'm glad you reminded me of that. Mm -hmm. I forgot my question, but I was going to, damn, what was I going to say? I forgot, Greg. You said we've known each other for a while. Yeah, I know, but then I was going to leave somewhere. I'm sorry. I, I think he was going to invite you over or something. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> come over to that backyard, yeah, man. That's a cool backyard. Oh, yeah, man, you know, we've known each other for a minute now, but after hearing that song, I was wondering if you wanted to come hang or something. That's, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think ahead, I, I, after I, I, listening, I'm gonna go ahead and leave this uh, Zoom. I'm gonna just <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just saying that I know you as a performing bass player. Mm. You know what I'm saying, and, and as a person who's had, you know, like you said, seven nights a week, and that might be kind of hard for people to believe, but in New Orleans, bass players, especially, I think rhythm section players, really work. Yeah, you no, know, and and to kind of switch gears to say, okay, cool, I'm going to go into the sound design space, to have the confidence to do that in yourself, to learn something new, and then, you know, try to support yourself and your family on it takes a tremendous amount of courage. Can you kind of just talk about how, how you did that and how you say, you know what, fuck it, man, I'm going to just try this thing and, and like, you know, stare failure in the face? Yeah. I mean, like I said, you know, during COVID, it was, 
it was it was hard you know i didn't know what was going to happen you know i, I was telling y'all before we were in the process of selling the house it was we were going to build and all that didn't happen and you know just a lot of what are we going to do um and we thought covid everybody thought covid was just going to be like a quick little thing and uh you know little did we know uh and it got to a point where you know me and my wife were like okay we gotta we gotta figure something out here we gotta we gotta shift because this uh, this ain't working and uh you know bills started coming and you know i mean y'all know i mean it's uh, everybody uh, it happened to everybody absolutely, uh, I'm not, absolutely i'm not the only one by a long shot but um i will i will say that no one is more supportive of me doing this even more supportive than myself no one is more supportive than my wife for mm -hmm. sure she pushed me to go to paramount and do this new thing because she knew how much i she could feel how much i wanted it and uh you know and she knew that i wanted it for a while uh, you know we kind of felt like a change was coming over these past few years b before covid we felt like there was a change we had been kind of talking like okay like i can't you know, I'm 35 now. I physically alone, physically, I can't, I'm not going to be able to play eight hours a day on an upright base without hurting myself. I started, I, st I developed uh, an issue in my right elbow from overuse with my nerves and I had to go to physical therapy and then I hurt my shoulder for, just from a lot of overuse injuries. And, uh, you know, that that's one reason alone to why we were, we were in, things were we were talking about ways to potentially try and do something different but uh it always just kind of fell apart it's like well what am i going to do like i i got a gig I, I don't have time to do anything new like there's just no way I, i'm i'm i kind of i don't mean this in the sense that i wasn't enjoying myself i loved i love playing and i love playing music and i love all that stuff but like you know I don't know how there just wasn't time. It's like we were saying before, there just wasn't time to do it, <laughs> to do anything else. Cause the energy it sounds know, like your, your mindset kind of shifted too, you know, it really did. Yeah. Instead of playing gigs, I just figured, okay, you know what? I'm going all in on this thing. And, you know, I will say that there was one thing that, that really was like, okay, I was talking to my wife, my wife about it. There was this opportunity for a grant that was, uh, a COVID grant that was a, a very, it was a small business grant um, that would have covered a lot of Pyramine, to be honest, and um, the tuition. And I saw it and I told my wife, it's like, okay, I'm going to try, you know, I'm apply for this grant. And if it happens, I'll take that as a sign as, okay, I'm going to do it. And if not, then we'll figure something else out. And I ended up getting the grant. And, and that day, I emailed Paramount. I was like, "Hey, I'm I'm coming. You know, let's let's do this." And uh, you know, that was definitely and and I went all in, man. Like <laughs> the whole time I was at Paramount, I would wake up at eight o'clock every day, which was totally new <laughs> alone because <laughs> I'm used to waking up, you know, at eleven or noon because we go to bed at four or five or whatever it is, you know. But um, yeah, I wake up at every every day at eight. I'd ride my bike to school, 
I would rent out the studio because they had they have multiple studios that you can rent out studio spaces. I would rent, I would uh, not rent it, but I would reserve it as a student for the rest of the day, every day. So I would go to class, and then after class, I would live in the studio until about ten o'clock at night. I'd ride my bike back to the place where the place I was staying, work a little bit more, go to sleep, and I did that every day for the whole nine months that I was there. Yeah, I just, I don't know, man, something, like you said, something shifted and I just got, I got a really aggressive with, with going after this, you know, and, uh, it's definitely paid off. It's paying off and I, I can feel it, man. There's, this is such a really, I was telling y'all before, it's such a really great sense of peace and grounding in my spirit about this. I just know that this is what we had been talking about all those years before. This is it. And it's it's a good feeling for sure. As, as you're saying all this, I'm just like, man, there's a part of me too that that you know, as as, as young musicians come up, like all we want to do is play. Like we just love playing so much. Yeah. And you know, the goal is always to play gigs. You know, we always see the cats on the big stage at whatever jazz fest or anywhere. You know, throughout the world, and we're just like, I just want to be that guy. Mm-hmm. And Man, I, I I started feeling the same way as you too, like about five, six years ago, realizing I was like, I think one night I was looking into the spotted cat and there were a couple of cats in there who were just like, you know, they were in their upper 60s and maybe 70s or so. And they were out there like four nights a week or something. Yeah. And I was just like, dude, holy shit. Like that comes at you fast. You know, all of a sudden you're at that point in your life and you still have to do like five, six, seven gigs a week. And mm-hmm. that that scared the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. And, and it's it's weird too, because I feel like we, as musicians, we always have to clarify that. Like, I love music, but like- Yeah, for sure. shit, But like, we always have to justify our love for music too in the transition of like setting ourselves up too for, for greater success than playing the gig, you know? And you know what it is? People don't really think about music like they do sports. Like if you saw a motherfucker LeBron out there at 70 or Jordan, you'd be like, what the fuck is he doing? (laughs) What is he doing? Go home. But music is also a young man's game. Just just because like what you said, Josh, like, man, it's taxing, it's time consuming. And if you plan on having a family and keeping it, you gotta be at home at some point. You gotta you gotta be able to budget that time. It's all about budgeting your time. Or you gotta have that one gig a month that pays you twenty thousand dollars. You know, or that that works or that yeah <laughs> that yeah works. i mean you know and also i mean new orleans can can feel like it's a small city you know and and you can if you're a good player and you know the tunes and you're a good good person good human and you you know you you pay your dues and whatnot you'll be working towards the top of the game you know and but you know i was I was never much for traveling because I have family and everything. So I never did too much of the touring thing. I was more of the, you know, the, the hometown guy, you know, I just, I I played my gigs at home and I'm good with that, you know, but it got to where I was playing at the places that I had always dreamed of playing, you know, um, I was doing stuff at the hall preservation. I was doing stuff at the Palm court, you know, with the, with my heroes and, and I was doing that. I'm like, okay, I'm doing this. I'm, I was 32, 33 at the time. I'm like, okay, now what? 
like do i ride this out for the next you know <laughs> however is many that years? it yeah it's like it's right like, because i mean years doing this the 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 next step up would be to start traveling and that's again that's just not something that i really want to do I, I i enjoy traveling but like being a road dog is just not that's not for me that's not my thing that's like so, one of the unique things of being from new orleans too i don't really think there's any other city in the world that you can like support yourself financially and play great music every night at a different spot you know i i think like yeah. if you're from anywhere else you're kind of like it's implied that you're gonna travel to make money yeah we're spoiled um you know we're spoiled over here for sure <laughs> but uh yeah you know i mean again i was just thinking like all right I mean, I don't want to just like ride this. I want to evolve. I, I need to keep. My dad told me when I was a kid, he said, staying the water breeds mosquitoes. And I just, I live my life thinking that. I, I think of that every day. Staying the water breeds mosquitoes. You got to keep moving. You got to keep doing stuff. You got to keep evolving and growing. And then, you know, or else you're just going to grow stagnant. And then what's the point, you know? So, um, this is definitely a big, this is a big old fresh pot of water for sure. <laughs> yeah, I love that too, because that's that's definitely a great, great, great saying. And but that's also like so so Louisiana. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I was you yeah. know, I was just thinking, I was like, I love country. I'm from Mississippi, so I love them country yeah. sayings. I, I don't think people in big cities have sayings. They, they I don't think they have them, man. You know, like, I don't know. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't know. <laughs> Nobody talked to me in San Francisco. <laughs> so <I wouldn't> <laughs> yeah, when when you were when you were doing this program, I just I, for my own curiosity, yeah, were, were you more focusing on like learning the technical aspects of the softwares and the programs and and how to use the, the studio, or were you spending a lot of time like digging into like composition techniques and things like that? So Paramount focuses more on the technical side of things. Cool. Uh, there is definitely, absolutely a uh, you know a theoretical uh, composition component that, that Jason teaches. Jason Butler, he does a great job. We talk about you know different approaches with modes, and he you know he's uh, he digs pretty deep, and it's beautiful. I learned a lot from Jason for sure. I'm very grateful for that. Um, but uh, the majority of the classes are, you know, this is how Pro Tools works. They, they, they'll, they go as deep as you want to go. Uh, again, like I said, I got my Pro Tools expert certification from them. And, uh, I mean, that was nine months of solid work. Pro Tools is so deep. It is unbelievable how deep it is. I had no idea. And there's so many different ways that you can do what you need to do so that it works for your workflow what what works right for you it's not one way to do one thing there's whatever five you know it depends but you know what i'm saying but um and it was about you know how how to sync up uh audio with games with how to um uh, there's there's middleware software uh that is basically it's a program that syncs up the timing from your audio to your game so that it happens in real time based on real time uh, parameters. So what I was saying before, based on like health status or, or enemy count or whatever location, whatever, um, middleware is what 
is what controls that. So it was basically, it was very technical of like, this is how you do this. This is how this happens. You can use these plugins. You can blah, blah, blah. It was that kind of approach for the most part, other than Jason's uh, composition class. I love was. that Jason. I love that Jason is the teacher there. That's like kind of beautiful. That's like really beautiful. Right? <laughs> um, Talk about a good, good dude, man. I love that guy. But you know, what's like, what's crazy about this whole thing, listening to, I mean, again, like it just seems like you went from like one end of the spectrum from like playing traditional New Orleans music, uh, you know, in, in all the traditions of the, you know, traditional jazz, the R&B, the funk and soul and things like that. And playing for people in clubs with, with the cats, like with mm -hmm. the elders, you know, to going to San Francisco and then learning about the most modern Pro Tools, it, video games. And, and it just fe feels like two opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of musical or, or experiences within the industry. Mm -hmm. And that's like, that's just, it blows my mind, man. So kudos to you, oh, thank for, you. for, you know, taking your experiences and, and reinventing yourself at, at this point in your life. You know, that's, 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 man, that's like what it's all about. I appreciate it, man. Thank you, man. So, but, but I want like, Darian, do you have that other song queued up with the, the Catahoulas? So, man, I think what we'll be killing is that, you know, Josh is, you know, a fantastic musician, but to like to show the the diversity of like where this cat has been, you know, dealing with. And, you know, Josh founded a band called the uh, the Catahoulas, and maybe we could listen to it. And then, Josh, you could tell us a little, a little bit about it. Yeah. Two Tim, the big fine thing. Two Tim, she's a big fine thing. They didn't hear that. They, they don't know nothing about that, Josh. <laughs> they don't know nothing about that. Man, I want a million dollars for someone to recreate that groove feel and in, in logic. Yeah. Right. <laughs> hey, hey, Josh, man, you need to put that in the video game, man. You got to yeah, put that out. in there. Bro, what? Second ticket, ticket. Oh, yeah. For sure, man. No, I want to find ways to uh, bring some New Orleans vibes into some uh, game audio for sure. This. There's a lot of potential for yeah, sure. You can have a video game, the Frenchman Street Avenger or something like that. And like just some cat running <laughs> yeah. up on the Frenchman Street. It's got to go to different clubs and like, man, you know, like the trombone player just walked out with the bucket and got to get. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Ben Pulser, his album, The Orleans Six, the, the album art was like this giant robot over Frenchman Street blowing up the spot cat. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> the gig was at, it was recorded at the cat, so of course they got blowing up. But yeah. <laughs> so tell us about the uh, the Catahoulas. Yeah, sure. So uh, my grandpa Lloyd Florin, he played, uh, he was played saxophone, trumpet, trombone, uh, electric bass uh, back in the fifties and sixties in New Orleans. Um, 
and you know my great-grandpa played so he learned from my great-grandpa and you know it's there's a thing going but um basically my grandpa's still around he doesn't play anymore but he's still around for sure and i had always loved that music i grew up knowing that because he lived uh less than two blocks away from where i grew up in chalmette and so i would just kind of live over there and he had all his bases his collection of bases and he played music and we would we would just kind of jam and I, that's how i learned to play was on his couch uh and i mean it's great memories man uh but um so I, I started that band because I felt that there was this massive void in New Orleans of that music of 50s and 60s, like r really well done R&B, uh, classic old school stuff. Um, the, I mean, they had they have some stuff for sure, and it's really good. That's just I like I like the idea of playing that repertoire, but bringing a little bit of like kind of that a little bit more modern New Orleans funk vibes to it, you know, where the classic, the real deal was sort of pre-funk in a lot of ways. Uh, this, we, we go a little more funky with it. Um, and uh, yeah, so, you know, that lineup, Gerald French on drums and the lead vocals, I mean, you don't need nothing else. <laughs> no, you don't need nothing else. <laughs> Gerald, Ah, man, Gerald. I've, and, you know, he and I, we, there was another iteration of the Catahoulas uh, when I first started. And we played one show. And when we were at the rehearsal for the show, uh, you know, we played a few notes, we played a few minutes. I was like, nah, this ain't, this ain't the lineup. This ain't right. And so it took me about another year after that show to, to rethink things. And, uh, and then I got Gerald on drums. I got Kevin Lewis on trumpet, um, Earl Bonnie on tenor sax, Oliver Bonnie, his son, on Barry, uh, Burke Cotton, who plays guitar with Bonarama, um, and Steve Detroit, who plays keys with Walter Wolfman. And uh, man, we, we didn't even play any notes. We just got together at Steve's house and we were gonna rehearse. And we were just hanging. I was like, yeah, this is it. <laughs> we didn't even play the notes. <laughs> and it's like, so yeah, killing. Here it is. This is the band. You know, it just it just worked. And that recording, this whole this whole recording was our very first show after one rehearsal. And it, the vibe was just so good. You know, it, was, it had like it was very raw in this beautiful way that I I love. I'm always a I tend to almost always choose live recordings over studio recordings for the kind of music that I play because I like, you know, with jazz, jazz is meant for people. It's meant for dancers. So you got to capture, you only capture half the energy if you don't have a room full of people checking out. And I think that that goes with a lot of New Orleans music. You need people because New Orleans is people come to see you play. They don't come to like come and ponder life directly. I mean, they will as a passive, you know, you can do nothing but ponder life <laughs> there you go yeah so you know i mean you so this was recorded live at the at the new orleans mint um in like 2018 or 19 or something like that but um we're definitely due to put another one out where that's in the talks in the works right now actually but um yeah so you know that's kind of what we're about we, we just started gigging again we got some gigs at the spotted cat 
got a monthly over there. We got a monthly at the Maple Leaf. Um, you know, we're, uh, things are good, man. And the band is so excited to be back together. It's just good to, good to hang again. And, you know, it's, it's good to be with friends, man. I miss those guys. I love them. I love them to death. Um, and they are funky, man. <laughs> they know how to make it work. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know, something beautiful about New Orleans music. This, but that last song, Tooth and Money, you know, like I, I have a recording of Baby Dodds playing that. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a good one. You know what I'm saying? And it's like that music just goes back to the beginning, to the creation yeah. of what we now call jazz. Yeah. And we are in 2022 and y'all putting some old funk on it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like when Baby Dodds played, it was funky too. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that, that's that's what I love about New Orleans. In, in that it, it always holds the tradition in one hand, but looks forward with the other hand. And uh, yes, yeah, that's, you know that's the special sauce right there. And I love that. You know, I I used to think before I really, really started to dig into you know traditional jazz and you know R and B and whatnot. Um, I was, you know, I, the school that Greg and I went to Loyola was always generally more focused on like 50s and forward, like bebop and forward more or less, right, Greg? I mean, wouldn't you say that? Um, I would I would generally say every program in the world is yeah. of that sort. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm choosing my words carefully. I learned Don't Loyola, huh? I said, just tell the truth. Don't choose All right. <laughs> no, I mean, man, Loyola changed my life in so many ways. I, I will never forget my time at Loyola. I, when I walked in, I swear I did not know what a bass clef was. I, everything was by ear up until I went to Loyola. I did not know theory. I didn't know chords. I didn't know what major my, I just played by ear in church from like 11 until college. And I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. That was the truth. Um, but I, uh, I I think that a lot of schools confuse earlier music, early jazz as being easy when it's accessible. It's not easy, it's accessible. You can learn it's 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 fun. You can dance to it generally. You can it's just easier to grasp. It's not as like conceptual as modern jazz and you know like i said before like life pondering kind of stuff which is i mean that I, don't get me wrong like modern jazz and all that stuff is it's beautiful i mean you know i mean fucking excuse me what brian blade i mean like it'll make you cry man i mean it's incredible uh the music that i my heart clings to is traditional music because i just love playing accessible music have fun with it people dancing filling up the room people going nuts just having a good time and enjoying life that's what i like that i enjoy that and that's the music that i feel like i relate to um and but yeah what i was saying about colleges is i mean i, I really believe that and it took it took a few years after me graduating college to kind of wrap my head around that um when I was in the jazz, New Orleans Jazz Vipers was when my mind started to change I, in, in 2010. Uh, that's just like a straight swing band. Like, I don't do anything. There's no drums. Me and guitar, we're the rhythm section. Quarter note pulses, 
for four hours all night, just quarter, just pound it out. Nothing, I mean, up here all night. And at first I was like, man, this is like easy. But then after after a certain point, it felt like, I don't know, something changed to me. I was like, okay, I, I get it now. You know, I get, I, you look around the room, you're like, okay, like I, I totally get this now. It makes sense. And so, uh, yeah, it's not easy. It's accessible. I love that very much. And I'm going to steal that from you just for the record. Hey. I'm going to, Hey man, I, the truth must friends. be told, man. It's true. <laughs> you that's, can't be that's... talking trash on traditional jazz when you don't know how to swing a blues, you know? There you go. Just saying. <laughs> Some people can't play quarter notes for four hours. You know, hey. that's, that's it's, it's it's the it's truth. Man. It is. You can't you can't break new ground until you know what the ground is. Come on, you now. know. Sing you got it. You got to start. You got to start. Even if you even if you don't want to play traditional jazz down the road or whatever, you got to learn that stuff, man. That should be that should be taught at every school in every college, every jazz program. You you should learn swing at least swing, you know, I mean, you, you got, to, it's, I don't know. It's silly. <laughs> I'm with you on that. And it's I, silly. I, you know, but, but, you know, I've said this before, but I, I think that again, it just comes down to the fact that as teachers, we can only teach what we know. And if the cats haven't been through the experiences that you have, you know, or we have in New Orleans, there's no, there's no, there's no way to teach Louis Armstrong. If you don't know what Louis Armstrong is. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's true. That is uh, that's something to think about. Is that we New Orleanians have definitely been spoiled by having access to just the uh, the culture of New Orleans, where everybody knows all those guys. You know, they know Baby Dies, and they know Armstrong, and they know Sidney Bechet. They know that those are like those are like the household names of New Orleans, where in other places you may not you may or may not know, but you would have to. You would more likely have to go out your way to find out about that, which, you know, I get it. I get it for sure. I just, I hope that, I hope that things could change. It'd be really nice because I think the music would just, the modern music, every, all, all versions of jazz will improve if you improve the grounding and the foundation of it and everybody knows where they came, where it comes from. Hey man, this is America. And we, we live by a strict rule of revisionist history here. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Not on YouTube, it didn't happen. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> on YouTube, it there you go. <laughs> yo, yo, dig dig this, man. Uh, we, we're coming to the end here. But before we go, I definitely want to give you an opportunity to tell people where they can connect with you. Yeah, they, sure. They want to hire you to teach them something. Or for, to do some sound design, where can they connect with you? Sure. So um, I got my website, where joshuaguzzi.com, uh, joshua, G-O-U-Z-Y.com. Um, you can also, I don't know how, but I managed to find gameaudiocomposer.com. So you could always go to that, which, how do you, how do you find? I mean, that's a good domain. But anyway, um, <laughs> uh, so uh, I still... I see you, you you looking it up, guys. I still need to sync it up to the website because <laughs> I can see you in your eyes. You're typing. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, trying, I'm trying to hire you right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, so for right now, joshuaguzzi.com. But uh, also, if you want to follow the Catahoulas, uh, the, the R&B band, uh, it's uh, C-A-T-A-H-O-U-L-A-S. Uh, 
NOAA.com. CatahoulasNOAA.com. Um, you find us on Facebook. You know, you find me on, uh, you know, all the social media stuff. Just Joshua Guzzi for me. Catahoulas. Noah for the Catahoulas. And uh, yeah, man. And so, hey, where are your gigs? Uh, what are y'all playing this month? We finished. Let's see. We had something, but there was. Let me look at my schedule real quick. So we had a we had a bit of a double booking. With a, we were supposed to be at a club, but we had a double booking. Um, so, and then I'm I'm actually going to GDC for a good bit this month, the Game Developers Conference in San Francisco. So our next show, the Catahoula specifically, our next show is April 22nd, um, 7:30 at the Maple Leaf. Go check them out. I believe that's. French Quarter. I mean, Jazz Fest. Jazz Fest, yeah. So that's great. So Yeah, so the early set at the Maple Leaf on Friday, April 22nd. And then we're also playing the following Friday uh, at the Spotted Cat at 10 o'clock, the 29th. So we'll be busy during Jazz Fest time. But uh, other than that, I mean, you can find me out and about. I'll be, you know, I'm at the, the Mont Leon. I'm, I'm here, I'm there. I'm with different bands and whatnot. <laughs> Just come say hey. Love it, Josh. Love it, y'all. Y'all heard it here first. So go go to uh, Josh Guzzi's website. Uh, send him D some DMs. And uh, yeah, friend him. Look, man, thanks for coming on the Working Artist Project. Absolutely. I love y'all, man. I miss I miss seeing y'all around. I miss I miss, uh, miss the hang uh, with all this stuff going on. I'm, I'm sure I'll see y'all soon enough, though. It'll happen. It'll happen again soon. It'll happen again. Yeah, um, man. Yo, big Josh. hugs and big drinks. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Congratulations on all the incredible things that you've done. And uh, we're we're expecting great things to come still. Uh, Thank you so much. And same to you, man, with Michael Buble and all. That's beautiful, man. I'm proud of y'all. I'm proud of all y'all, man. It's great. It's great to see. I follow y'all too. (laughs) I I see what y'all up to. It's great. So thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you, bro. All right, y'all. My name is Darian Douglas. I'm Gregory Ajid. Y'all have a great night.